This is a fourth hand production. Story in the news today. You believe in ghosts and the paranormal? Are they are they UFOs or are they like some crazy experimental, you know, governmental I don't know planes that they're building? police in Española are catching more than just criminals. They're catching images of what they believe are ghosts. There's this weird animal-like creature that was shot, wolf-like creature that just stood out in some odd ways. Welcome to Strange Uncles. I'm Shane. I'm John. I'm Josh. The oh. podcaster formerly known as Josh. Right. With a fancy Indeed. symbol for a name. So <laughs> welcome, everybody. Um, hope your holidays are going okay. We made it through Thanksgiving, and now we're trying to get the hell through Christmas. Oh, it's upon us, people. Yeah. So It's the shit, shittiest time <laughs> of the year. I got to say, you know, I try to keep my spirits up, but with everything going on, man... I don't know. It's tough. Although I will say that the wife and I actually have a cabin booked outside of Bryce for Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. We're going to la- last national park on our list to knock out for Utah. So oh, that'll, that'll be fun. Sounds amazing. Yeah. So cool. jealous. Yeah. We usually get a year right at, and the UNT is right outside of Evanston, but I called an hour after they opened and it was all booked. Oh, seriously? Was that the one you Very hiked sad. into last year? Yeah, we do a snowshoe trip in there every year, but not fucking this year just like everything else yeah welcome to 2020 yeah the year of letdowns and disappointment (laughs) they should just put that on the calendar just go camp in the snow (laughs) just set up a tent (laughs) yeah throw throw a tarp over a tree call it a yurt you'll be fine so go make it happen but anyway i remember having to do like a ice camping trip in boy scouts and it sucked yeah Yeah, you're not much of a snow camp fan are you so. I'm not much of a snow fan, period. <laughs> I know, right? Touche. So, well, anyway, with that being said, you know, we kind of got our things planned. Of course, I'm going back and forth from CDA trying to be safe with that. Of course, you guys are all trying to be safe. Um, and here we are yet again with another episode. We're lucky enough to have a one Dr. Mary Helen Hensley on. Um, again, she's in Ireland now. I think uh, originally you said, John, she was Virginia, moved to South Carolina. Yeah, I, I believe that's uh, I believe that's the truth. Yeah, um, very amazing interview. Amazing woman. I, I tell you what, I was more surprised with just like she is on all the time. She's in everything. She's got projects. She's got a lifetime of um, not only just healing behind her, but uh, you know professionalism and wisdom and wit. And you know, I don't know. I personally, I found it pretty amazing the interview um, mm-hmm. on our side. I, I think it was yeah. great. It was really interesting for sure. Yeah, so we're going to roll into that real quick, and then after that, we'll do some tidbits on uh, some social podcasts, some other things, other things coming down the pike. Um, so unless you guys have anything, you want to roll into Mary? Yeah, let's uh, roll that beautiful bean footage. All right, here we go. Open the gates, everybody. So wit, wisdom, and wow are synonymous with Dr. Mary Helen Hensley. 
Her marriage of no-holds-barred humor and honesty, coupled with integrity and compassion, make her one of Ireland and Europe's most sought-after metaphysical healers and synergistic speakers. After receiving a BA in communications and graphic design from Coker University in Hartsville, South Carolina, Mary Helen was involved, sadly, in a high-speed collision in Charleston, South Carolina, which resulted in a near-death experience. Riddled with injuries, including a broken neck, she went on to earn a doctorate in chiropractic at Sherman College of Chiropractic in Spartanburg, South Carolina, endowed with the gift of downloading an individual's biography in order to change their present state biology. Dr. Hensley has facilitated the healing process for countless individuals using this method, and we can't wait to talk to her about this because, you know, you, Mary, have been the first near-death experience person we've had on the podcast, and we welcome you to Strange Uncles, Mary. Well, thank you. I love some strange uncles. I have a few myself. (laughs) We all do. (laughs) We all do. Yep. Outstanding. (laughs) Well, with that being said, again, I I think the main thing, number one, the books you've, you've written, um, you know, we've looked at your website and checked it out and, and just so far, just you're, you're very boastful for the most part. I find it awesome. (laughs) I, I think it's great. Um, I, I don't know. I personally would like to start off with the experience that got you from where you are now to where you were, how that affected you. Because, of course, near-death experiences for everybody kind of hold a personal part and, and obviously you know, led you down this path. Do you feel comfortable kind of explaining how that occurred? Absolutely. And I would make one little correction where you said, sadly, she was in an accident. Oh, I'm not sad about it at all because I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you if it hadn't happened. Touche. Touche. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, like the best place to start with me is literally in the womb um, because I was the youngest of four and I was the big surprise um, when my parents were in their 40s. And my father was a minister and he was a minister, big American football player, football coach. um, and people loved his sermons and stuff because it was always about what happened on the on the football field Friday night. And he was just a really great motivational speaker. My mom, forever his wing woman, just a, a really amazing person. She's 91 and her first book just launched yesterday. Wow. Um, she's just a real a real character. Great, wow. great. But um, they get called into the doctor when my mom was in her first trimester of pregnancy. And this is in the late 60s. And so... He said, listen, I just need you all to get your head around the idea that this baby isn't going to be okay. Helen, we've discovered that you have the German measles. And um, back in those days, that just was lethal. Um, you know, they, they couldn't guarantee if it was going to be blindness or if I was going to have some, a limb missing or something. But they just said, be prepared for the worst because it, this isn't a good scenario. Oh, man. So my parents go home with this. And what was so interesting, so for my father, the Southern Baptist minister, He gets what he describes as a celestial visit. So you would think he would use terminology like an angel or something, you know, the heavenly spirit. It was a celestial visit because he couldn't explain these two beings. And, you know, they didn't have wings and they weren't what one would typically think of as as an angelic type uh, scenario. And so these two beings tell my father that not only is his daughter going to be okay. Remember, this is late 60s. We don't have ultrasound or gender reveal. Um, not only is she going to be okay, but she's going to come in with some unusual abilities. And so sure enough, I'm born. There's no complications. And my parents are always kind of just hanging out waiting. You know, dad's always talking about this visit. And if ever, when I was a child, if I, you know, if I was sad or down or something happened at school, he always said, 
don't worry, you're promised. And so that was how I got the name of my first book because it was dad who always said, you're promised. And they kind of were waiting and waiting and looking at me and waiting for something strange to happen. And so finally, when I was about four, um, we have this discussion and my dad was like ready to crack because in his idea of what reality was and what the world looked like, which was boxed up and framed um, in his religious beliefs, sure. I'm coming in all the time and I'm talking about um, my mom's father, who was my very best friend when I was a child and to this day still is. Um, his name was Dr. Garland, Garland Clark and he was a surgeon from Kentucky, really neat guy. And he used to just come in and talk to me and sit with me when I was a kid and tell me about my purpose here and um, talk to me about really meaty stuff, you know, like medical stuff and um, how we're here to serve and, and, and all. And it was just, it was really wild. And so of course I'd go tell my parents and we'd talk about that and there'd be these looks. And so finally we have the kitchen table talk where my dad calls me in and sits me down And he had this big booming voice and he said, sugar, do you know the difference between alive and dead? And I'm like four and I'm like, uh, you know, because it turns out that my grandfather judge, as we called him, had been dead since I was one. So now this visit is starting to make sense to my parents Uh because they they had said that, you know, I'd have some unusual abilities. Well, first unusual ability off the list was, (laughs) oh, she talks to dead people. So you can only imagine for my parents and um, the framework with which they were working through life. um, This was a little bit tough to swallow, uh, but they couldn't deny it either. Now, how did they find out? Like, did they just catch you kind of, you know, in the living room or having a, how did they actually approach you and go, Oh, wait a minute. There's a, there's a thing here. (laughs) We need to talk about If you haven't noticed, I'm a little chatty. And (laughs) so I would come in and, and talk to them. You know, I'd say, you know, judge said, da, 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 da. And it was stuff that there's no way that I could have known unless he had told me. Uh And so, you know, this was, they were kind of swallowing it down until the point where my dad was just going to lose it. And he was just, you know, finally we have this conversation. And it was then that he said, you know, this is a very special gift but we don't want um, people to misunderstand. And it was at that age that my dad decided that this was something we'd keep to ourselves. I could talk to him. I could talk to my mother. Mm. My siblings didn't even know. Wow. And so that's kind of how I grew up. So as I get a little older, I start having dreams and I had, I would know things before they would happen. And of course with dad being a minister, I'd be like, Hey dad, you know, Mr. Smith's going to die on Tuesday. <laughs> and um, your know, dad was writing the eulogies and um, you know, these things are happening, but then fast forward into teenage and college years when you really don't want to be different than everybody else. Right. Um, I started kind of clamming up and, and not even really talking to them about it. And so I get through college and literally the extent of my service to humanity with these gifts was I was a cheerleader and I would write down the scores of the basketball game and we go cheer and then come back and crack open a beer and pull the score out and we go, ha, 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 that's the score. And you know, this, wow. this was, this was my divine uh, service to everybody around me. So when I graduated from college, I um, ended up moving to Charleston, South Carolina, because in the South, if you're dating the same person when you're graduating from college, you know, your mom's like picking out China patterns and silverware and you're mm-hmm. heading 
heading uh, down the road to matrimony. Yep, yep. And it's so close we to end up, Utah as well. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, yeah, I think it's an American thing. Yeah. But um, so I moved to Charleston and, you know, I've got my great big degrees in communications and graphics. And the only job I could get was mopping floors in a sign company. Yeah. And it was literally the best thing that ever happened because uh, Frank and Teresa Coyne, who owned the shop, you know, stuck that mop in my hand and said, listen, kid, you're going to go places, but you've got to understand how business works from the bottom up. You have to have a deep appreciation for what everybody does in order to make a business run. Okay. And so they were, they were just great. And so we're having our Christmas party. So it was December 14th. So my rebirthday is coming up very soon. Um, <laughs> and it was December 14th, 1991. And uh, it was still hot in Charleston. So I was wearing bright red Bermuda shorts and a Santa Claus t-shirt. And, um, I was going to the party and I got to a stoplight at a major intersection of a highway called highway 17. And I sat there for quite some time at the red light. And then when my light turned green, I started making my way across the traffic. And when I got to the last lane, I look and there is a car just barreling mm. towards me. Jesus. And this is when it all changed. Because in that moment, everything just ground to a halt. It just stopped. Like time just stopped. And I'm fully mm. aware in that moment that this is my death. I'm getting ready to die. I'm okay with that. How did I want to do it? I had the option to stay in my body and experience the impact. Or mm. I could take off before the car hit me. Now, you can imagine that's that's kind of a weird realization when you've just spent the last 21 years Um thinking about death in a different way. Mm -hmm. um, so I took option B because that was going to hurt. The police estimated he was going 75 miles an hour. Oh, God. And Ooh. in that moment, there was a sound. So all of the work that I do to this day is all based around frequency because really guys, that's all we are is frequency and light. Mm -hmm. And I could hear this low drone and there was this low vibration and accompanying that vibration was me suddenly not being in my body anymore. But this is like playing all around me. And next thing I know, I'm looking down. And as hmm. I look down, everything just speeds back up. And that car whoosh, smashes into the side of me. So I'm literally witnessing my own death. I'm not getting hit, dying, and then popping into the light. Wow. I'm actually watching my own death. And so what was really wild in that moment was a girl that had been my uh, sweet mate in college, Mim was sitting at that same traffic light, a few cars behind me. Now she was from Charleston. I was not, and you know, there's about 350,000 people in Charleston at the time. So why was she at that stoplight? We still laugh about it to this day, wow. but I could see her. And what was so unusual is that not only could I see her, I could feel that moment when she realized that was me in the car, when she realized that that was my car that had just been hit. But I could feel her feelings, but my feeling towards it was a complete kind of detached interest, I guess. You know, I was observing, I was watching, but not trying to like jump back into the body or going, oh my God, I'm too young. I shouldn't be dead. And uh, it was just, I was just there watching. And so I got to see, um, a lady run up to the car after everything had kind of stopped and, you know, the, the windows had blown out of the car. My head had gone through the driver's side window and that's when I broke my neck. Mm. And um, this lady comes in and puts her phone number on the front seat of the passenger side. You know, like there's the dead kid in the car 
and she puts yeah. her number on and then odd. leaves. That's odd. And so, yeah, a little odd. <laughs> and so I, I just distinctly remember watching that. And then I remember seeing a guy in uniform come in, reach in the passenger side and turn the engine off so the car wouldn't blow. And then all of a sudden that low drone starts to get louder, but it's becoming a higher frequency, a higher vibration type of music. It was incredible. And what was so wild was I still had, even though I wasn't in a body or didn't have a body, I still had a sense of form. I was completely huh. cognizant of who I had just been. I was very aware of everything that was going on. My consciousness had obviously survived that, that death. And everything is speeding up around me and this music is playing and it's absolutely beautiful. And then whoosh, I went from watching this to this other space. Now, some people describe the tunnel, you know, and, and they, you know, walk into the light, Carol Ann. And, right, you know, right. I was like, I was here and then I was here. Hmm. And so it was absolutely incredible. I just land in this space and it was, it was so cliche. Um, it was so peaceful. It was so loving. It was so easy. Hmm. And the last thing that I was thinking about was that body. And I've often described it to people, you know, if you're outside and it's a hot day and you're out working in the yard or you're mowing the lawn and then you come in and you peel off those gross sticky clothes and you throw them down by the washing machine and you go have this fabulous shower. It's the same as being in that shower. And the last thing that you're thinking about is the dirty clothes next to the washing machine. You know, you used them, you wore them and they're there, but there's no kind of attachment to that any longer. And then that's instant. It was in that moment. Hmm. So you're, you're yeah. so you literally looked at it as your body was just a vessel <laughs> that's over here doing its mm. thing as you're absolutely a oh, vehicle within a vehicle. Yeah, Did yeah. you still identify as kind of yourself? Like, Oh, totally. Was, was your conscience still Mary Helen? Yeah. This is what's hmm. so cool because in that moment, it's like this veil instantly comes off. So that forgetfulness that we have to have um, in order to come here and have a human experience, it lifts off. And then you're suddenly aware that not only have you just been that person, but you've been so many other things. Wow. And that consciousness completely survived. So it was, you know, no matter how strange my life had been growing up, every child, every kid goes through this kind of contemplation of life and death at some stage. And it gets kind of scary and all. And I was so, in that moment that I knew still who I was, that didn't just, I didn't disappear. I didn't just cease to exist. That body did, but mm-hmm. who I am, who I really am, there I was. Wow. So I, I would take it that you're a proponent of what they call astral travel or the ability, you know, your spirit going out and coming, you know, you say that you hear about oh, the yeah. silver thread and, and all that, you know, that's <clears> like, yeah. And okay. you know what? It's I didn't learn that in Sunday school. I'll tell you that. <laughs> So you can imagine you land in this space and you still have the awareness of the life that you've just left. And I'm Mm -hmm. laughing and everything around me is exactly not what I've been taught to believe. Wow. So like, you know, I'm waiting like Jesus didn't show up or my dead grandmother or, you know, I was in that space and I was me and I was perfectly content, perfectly aware that this was exactly how it was supposed to happen. Yeah. Was it like a, would you describe it as like a three dimensional space or was it, no, I, no, it was just kind no. of like an all encompassing. Yeah. So hmm. that's, um, then it gets, well, it gets really interesting from here because, um, as I'm sitting in that space mm-hmm. and I'm just kind of like bathing in the glow, all of a sudden the 
atmosphere in front of me began to take shape. And this was, this was just crazy. So it's like this kind of caramel color with this pearly sheen to it. And uh, just colors that we don't have here. Wow. You know, I, I, like a dream of colors that don't exist here. Huh. And I'm in that space. I'm sitting there. I'm watching this atmosphere take shape and these two beings step forward. And what's really interesting is that I think that my father's visit that he had um, was not necessarily these two beings, but his own two beings. Because after a little while, after they patiently waited, oh. I suddenly realized, oh, my God, these are my guardians. These are my guides. And we all have them. And that moment that I realized who and what they were, it was like the homecoming of all homecomings. It was just incredible. But we immediately moved into um, what people have called a life review. This, you know, my life flashed before my eyes. But what was so strange about this was it was like the essence of me was in the middle of a 360 degree cinema. And so you want to talk about, you know, all the other stuff has happened. Yeah, that's, that's okay. But the real mind bender is that now my perception of time and what time actually means and how that is a construct of this earthly three dimension, Uh it's just imploding in front of my eyes. Because as I'm watching this life review, I'm watching myself as a three-year-old over here. I'm 19 Mm. over here in college. I'm 11 years old getting my first bulldog. I'm 17 years old and I'm in a gang rape. I am, you know, boom, boom, boom. These things are all happening simultaneously. Mm. And all of a sudden the concept that the divine or the creator or God, whatever you want to call that being, the ability to be in all places at once suddenly makes sense. And now, you know, I've got a limited vocabulary in order to be able to speak about it. And I certainly, you know, with other people not being able to conceive of that, Mm -hmm. um, it's incredible because time really is happening simultaneously. These lives that we're living are happening at the same time. So a lot of times when we're talking about past life scenarios or this, you know, for ease's sake, we'll talk about time marching forward on a, on a linear timeline, yeah. but mm-hmm. that's not actually how it works. It's more like a merry-go-round. It's like you're in the center here and there's a bunch of different things happening at different points on the merry-go-round. And as you whiz past and you see this one, this one's still happening over here. That's, and that's as you whiz over here, that one's still happening over there. Yeah, that's interesting because a lot of times people, when they describe that, you're describing other dimensions and other levels, you know, whatever word you really want to encompass it with, but it's more of a platform. This is on this platform mm-hmm. or this is on not necessarily, you know, an all integral, you know, Marigrand's a very good way to explain that. It's amazing. God. Mm. That's the best, best way I can describe it. And so as I'm sitting there watching that life unfold, I am aware that I want to go back. It's not. I'm being made to go back or I'm getting kicked out of the divine light. And I just realized, Oh my gosh, I'm going back in. And I had actually set this accident up for myself because I had come in with quite, you know, some unusual abilities and some things that could really help people out. But as I said before, you know, that like writing down scores to a basketball game and, and, and going, ah, that, that, you know, that came true. Um, That wasn't really helping anybody. And so what I had done was I had created a really um, a deep and meaningful set of circumstances that would knock me onto a completely different path if I hadn't managed to get there myself. 
And this is the interesting thing about free will. Because people are like, oh, gosh, you know, what does that mean? You, you know, that was everything set in stone and you have to do this. No, we have choices. Mm -hmm. And that's what free will means is having a choice. You can get, you know, you could go from A to B down a straight highway or you could go from A to B down a country road. It might take a lot longer to get there, but it, eventually you're going to get there. Mm -hmm. And those are choices that you make along mm -hmm. the way. So mm -hmm. it was just I was that was the biggest aha in that moment was realizing the construct of time as being something that is necessary for this dimension. Yeah. And that's something that you set up. You just, and you made that for yourself to become this other jump, I guess, or this leap that, you know, the rest of your life's really going to be encompassing exactly. of a point. Wow. Exactly. You know, I'd set the challenge up for myself, see if you can get there, but you know, and I mean, hello, 21. I mean, you reach uh, adulthood <laughs> and you know, you're not adulting. And uh -huh. so um, I had put this in place for myself to just change and, and boy, change, change did it. Wow. Um, so at that moment, when I had declared, I am going back, those beings that were there with me, my guides, um, they said, that's, a, that's good. You know, if you're going back, we're going to set the bar a little higher for yeah. you and yeah, yeah. we're going to send you back with some different abilities. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm in, put me back wow. in coach. Um, and wow. so back in, I went at breakneck speed into a body with a broken neck and, oh. um, well, there with, I was. With that being said, I, I will say that I did start adulting until 40. I don't know about you guys, but I'm still trying to learn it. It really hasn't happened yet, but um, that's amazing. We're going to take a quick break if you don't mind, Mary, and then we'd like to come back and kind of get into from that point and then how you made that because obviously your life is now something else that you're going right. to have to kind of lay in front of yourself. So um, stand by, everybody. We'll be, we'll be right back. Believe in UFOs? Felt that chill up your spine that you just can't explain? Contemplate the other side of reality? Do you shake your head at the world that seems to have lost its common sense? Well, look no further than Strange Uncles. Find them on all podcast platforms and call their hotline to tell your side of reality at 801-252-6945. Open the gates. All right, and uh, again, we're back with Mary uh, Hanley and or Hansley, sorry. And um, you, you just, first of all, amazing story. I, I don't think I've, I personally, and I don't know about you and John and Josh. If you, I've never had a near death or you know with somebody that has experienced that, explain it to that precise of a. It's just amazing. You you really paint a picture of what occurred and what happened. Um, so so that that's just so from that point on, you decided you're going to go back. You're working with these beings that are your guardians, however you want to interpret them. Mm -hmm. Maybe not angels, maybe supreme beings, whatever that word is. Where do you, how do you wrap your mind around that? Where do you go from here? Yeah, well, the first thing you go to is back into a body that's completely mangled. Mm -hmm. And right. um, I guess the greatest part of that and where I feel so fortunate um, from having retained so much of the memory of this, because a lot of people that I work with who've had near death experiences, um, they don't seem to remember as much detail, um, but they remember the feeling. And really isn't that all that matters? That feeling of, um, of love, that feeling of connection, that understanding that we're all fractals of the same whole. 
um, they'll come back with that knowing. Um, for me, I guess because of the work I was going to do, I was allowed to retain um, so much of that memory, which can be kind of a double-edged sword because you come back in and you're you're super excited and you want to shout it from the rooftops and tell everybody, let yourselves off the hook. Just live, you know, do it all. Mess up as much as you can. And that's what you're here for. You know, you're these divine, omnipotent, eternal spiritual beings here to have a really, you know, hands tied behind your back, five senses stuffed into a meat suit kind of experience. And people don't really get that. And so I walk around, it's, it's, it's actually kind of a, it's a very, it's not lonely as not, but it's, it, it's a very solitary experience because I have to sit very quietly sometimes and watch things unfold for people in a way that I know is going to be traumatic or painful or a, you know, a real struggle. Mm-hmm. And I, I try to guide them through that without taking that experience away. So, you know, one of the things that I came back with was this ability to to help facilitate healing in people. And so back in the early days, you know, you can imagine I'm in my 20s and suddenly I can touch someone and you're healed, you know, and the cancer's gone and uh, fabulous for the old ego. But then you have to grow up and you mature mm-hmm. and you realize that that's not that's not serving somebody to assist them to help them move through or get rid of blockages that are standing in their way of, of the journey they've come here to have. That's the role of the healer to wipe the windows clean, Mm -hmm. but to remove the pain, to remove the struggle um, that's, that serves nobody. And so, you know, being a parent, it's very much like that. As you have a child, you know, the last thing you want is for your child to, to have hardship and those experiences, but it's very different for me. You know, my, my kids, they were like, did they have diagnoses like autistic when you were little? And I was like, uh, no. And they were like, you'd have had some kind of tism or titus, <laughs> I'm sure. Because like, I'll freak out if somebody leaves their towel on the bedroom floor. But like, if, if it's something huge, I'm like, it's all good. Let, let it go. It's all good. It's like, <laughs> yeah. let it go. We're yeah, good. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, yeah. Um, so it's, you know, it's quite a funny dichotomy um, to walk through, but that's what earth is. And that is such a huge thing for us to remember. We're constantly trying to change the world, you know, and ask any Miss America, you know, what do we want? World peace. Um, <laughs> but that's not what this place is set up for. This place is set up for the duality and we're constantly putting down the duality, but you know, you cannot paint a picture without the dark and the light. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so having an understanding of that and knowing how essential each of those components is to who we are and what we came here to experience, that's what living is all about. So let's get into that a bit. I'm curious on when you talk about that and then you you bring in the idea of frequencies. And and that's funny you mentioned frequency. We actually had a um a guest on the show quite a few months ago who similar. She uses uh music and sound to dial into mm-hmm. healing for people and and what they mm-hmm. perceive and what that looks like. Could you elaborate a little bit on that, like that, what that means to you, how that all encompasses together? Well, it actually started um, really unfolding when I discovered that I had kind of, when I came back in, not only was I smashed up, but it's like I had developed synesthesia. And so I have this kind of crisscrossing of the senses. And so I could touch somebody and I can hear their cancer. Or I can be around somebody and I can taste their emotional state. It's really hard, you know, to explain that to someone who has never experienced it. But 
um, it was really interesting because like back in March when I, I, I had COVID back in the early days when it was, you know, when all the cool kids had it <laughs> and um, I lost my sense of taste and smell for three months and it was a really, and people were like, Oh my God, that's awful. What if it never comes back? And I was like, I'm so accustomed to using my senses in a different way. So what I started to do was I picked food based on its texture, how it felt um, oh, when I would okay. eat it, how it, how it felt made, felt made my body feel after I would eat it because I couldn't taste it nor could I smell it. Mm. And so I'm so used to doing that. And so it's really interesting then when I'm working with somebody and I can hear or I see a mind movie of an experience they had maybe when they were 12 years old that has still that's still plugged into present time and causing distress for them you know literally it's just it's a bunch of synapses and and neural pathways in the brain that are carrying a frequency back into that trauma and that's the only way that they can actually experience that trauma in present time Mm. and so you can actually manipulate those frequencies in a positive way in order to glean the wisdom from the experience of that trauma or take the possibility of someone who tends to go to the future and bring them back into present time. And so there's literally a frequency for everything, for every physical state, for every physical organ, for every emotional state. And so I've spent my, you know, many years in my, my adult life putting these frequencies together in such a way that I can give them to people and go here, here's your homework. Yeah. You know, we, we know, physiologically that that it takes about 28 days 21 to 28 days three weeks or so to reprogram a neural pathway in the brain that's science it's Mm. physics you Mm. know and so if you utilize a certain frequency on a repetitive basis what it does is instead of going in and filling in the potholes you know on that road back to trauma it goes and it blows the freaking road up and so when that person gets triggered and they're getting ready to head back there there's no road. They literally have to reinvent on the spot in present time how they react to that trauma. And all they have available to them is the wisdom of the experience, not the pain of it. Wow. And so this allows people to move forward and, and heal their lives in such a way that they are able to move towards that ultimate Mm-hmm. plan or goal that they came mm-hmm. here to experience. You know, and everybody's different, but in your opinion, how many people take this? And especially somebody who, and I don't know if you've dealt with them, who maybe they are a little closed-minded. They don't understand this pathway or this method of healing. How does, how do they present that? Like, how do you really see them struggle working through what you're trying to tell them and what you're trying to help them through? Yeah, and sometimes, but the bonus prize of the whole, you know, like there I was, freshly dead. And <laughs> the, the, the cupid doll of the whole experience was that I got to come back and not care. And I mean that from the tips of my toes. Wow. I don't care what somebody else thinks about me or my experience. I'm not here to prove anything to anybody. I'm like, whoever gets this. They're, they're there and they're ready to get this. If they're mm-hmm. in a space where they're not getting this, um, it doesn't mean that they're wrong or that they're bad. It means that they're exactly where they need to be. So I do not take it personally if somebody thinks that I'm an absolute whack job or, you know, what, like you can only imagine. There have been, there've been plenty, of, uh, plenty of names called, but then there also have been the most unlikely people that have stepped forward that go, you know what, that really resonates with me. Um, and particularly in the clergy, believe it or not. Oh, really? Um, oh, that's surprising. Uh-huh. 
Hmm. Yeah, I well, it's not surprising. A lot, but, yeah. of, a lot of priests and nuns who come in. You know, <laughs> well. they're, they're just they're just people. Yeah, you know, well, they're just yeah. people who are living in in a certain box. And I'm a big fan of the boxes, you know, because I think we have miscommunicated what boxes actually are. We like to talk about, oh, I'm out of the box, you know, which means, oh, I get so much more than you do. If you're in the box, that means that you're there. No, a box is just a, a framework, an outline for somebody to have a particular experience until they are no longer in need of that box and they move on to another box. And I think um, I think it's interesting when we speak of ourselves that way because then we're creating a hierarchy. Like I'm out of the box, you're in the box. We're all in some kind of a box. The whole human experience is in you know is a bunch yeah. of boxes. Mm. And um, I think yeah, that gets so a you know, when people struggle with that, it's not a you know I just I meet them with compassion and understanding, and and then I move on. You know. Yeah. What's uh? I was kind of wondering what what's your methods to kind of channel those different frequencies that you can either see or feel in people and like kind of how do you like what's your method how do you go about that so it's gotten really fun because um years ago i met a guy um in los angeles um actually i met him here in ireland and he's a frequency guru like he just gets this stuff and he so i would go this is this is what i need this sound sounds like this this sound sounds like this and so now i have this entire toolbox um, that I'm able to give to people and there's a user's guide, you know, and go, okay, if you're dealing with this, um, here's the frequency go to. And like, like if one of my kids, one of my daughters is like, have a headache, she doesn't ask for a Tylenol. You see the earphones go in. If, yeah. if one of them is down or low or struggling, you see the earphones go in. So they've been taught from an early age how to use different frequencies and they understand that that works for their bodies. And so, um, yeah, it's really cool. So I have this entire toolbox of, of frequencies that I share with people. I use in my healing, I use um, a bioharmonics frequency bed to deliver this because there's, you know, there's like subwoofers all through this thing. It's all, it's amazing. And it delivers the, the frequencies through the entire body as opposed to just the ears for an audible experience. Mm. So it's a completely oh, okay. immersive experience. Gotcha. Yeah, it's awesome. Now, so is that somewhat, that was my next question. I was actually going to lead down the road of, um, you become a chiropractor and, and mm-hmm. how that relates into your frequency experiences. And you just kind of explained it when you talk about the whole body experience, I think. But if you want to elaborate a little bit. Well, this was interesting because, you know, Grandfather Judge, as I said before, was a surgeon from Kentucky. And so I've had this car accident and it was he who said we and he used to talk about we a lot. You know, we the team, we're sending you, you're going to chiropractic school. And I'm like, mm. uh, What? Why? Hell no. I just got out of college. I, I've been in, in school my whole life. No, thank you. And from everything I've heard, why would you send me to chiropractic school? Those guys get made fun of all the time. And it's like such a pain and you're trying to explain yourself all the time and this. And I'm like, you're not a real doctor. You know, you're, you're, ma- you're over here making the big bucks. And I'm like, what, what, what? And he said, it is essential because the foundation of the chiropractic philosophy is based on the mind, body and spirit connection, how the body is here mm-hmm. to serve the spirit as opposed to the other way around. Right. It's a vitalistic philosophy. It is one that encompasses all of those things, no one being more important than the other. That the human body is set up in such an amazing, miraculous way that it is, it is there to receive everything that's going on around us and how important illness, how important malalignment, you know, how important each of these experiences are in helping us to get from one lesson to the next. 
And so it's not about hmm. always avoiding everything that's uncomfortable in the body or taking out the pieces and parts like like allopathic medicine would do. You know, you got a pain here. Here's a painkiller. You got, you know, oh, that part's not working. Let's remove that. Right. Um, don't get me wrong. There are times when that's necessary. You know, mm -hmm. like if I get in another car accident, I'm not crawling to the chiropractor. I'm going to go to the emergency room first. Um, yeah. But what's happened is I think so many people have used that as their go-to. It's their day-to-day -day type of of living. And so the vitalistic philosophy of, of life that the chiropractic premise is based on is one where you're understanding that what we're doing is we're moving. The body doesn't need any help. It just needs no interference. And when we're removing that interference, we're allowing the body to function in a way that serves us because you know what? There are some people who get sick and they needed to get sick. It's, it changed them. It caused mm -hmm. them to quit that job that they hate. It, 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 cause them to go home and spend more time with their family. It there's a million different scenarios there where illness has, has served people. We don't like it because it's uncomfortable. Oh, sure. You yeah. Know? And, and I, I think yeah. that's a problem. You know, people don't want to be put out. So, no, you know, if, they, if they're put out, if they if their McDonald's isn't ready in under 90 seconds, you know, like <laughs> yeah. it's, we're just that kind of, we, we've kind of really gotten lazy in that way. And we've forgotten that, the beautiful nature of this body. Like I enjoy a good sickness, you know, because I'm go, go, go all the time. And, and you know, if I get smacked down with something, um, it means, Hey, you weren't listening. There's you need to reason. stop. You need to take yeah. it. You, you need to, you need to reevaluate what's going on here. And really every single thing, it, it, even stubbing your toe off of the kitchen table is trying to get your attention for a reason. It gets my attention. Those, I hate that. God, I hate that. I know. Oh, <laughs> or hitting that funny bang. Well, Hilarious. so I, I can, yeah, exactly. I can assume that you're probably not a big fan when you, when we talk about it, you know, Western medicine and the Western philosophy of how we're supposed to heal because we're so needy of just, you know, take a pill to heal this or go to do this. That's not necessarily, that's not the cure. You know, you really are, you feel like you're putting a roadblock up with something like that or do you feel? Yeah. You know what? It's, um, but it's, it's there because there are people who are completely not here to have that experience. There are people who are not here to understand the metaphysical aspect of who we are. There are those, remember, we're all coming from the same place. We're all the same smart. We're all the same divine, but we come in here and we choose different scenarios. What we've become, is very judgy that if people aren't just like us or they're not thinking just like us, then their experience is no longer valid right. in our eyes when it's the exact opposite. Because, I mean, oh, my God, how boring would the world be if everybody thought exactly the same way that we do? You know, the vast majority of cases that end up with me are people who've exhausted everything else. And then, you know, well, let, let's just give the quack on the corner a try. <laughs> I was going to um, ask how you, know, how you got people yeah. to your front door. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so, gotcha. you know, it's been 30 years of word of mouth. I've never ad advertised a date, you yeah. know. Um and so I'm just here, I'm here to plant those seeds and to help people work through. And I'm, you know, I've helped as many people die as I have lived. Those who were at there, you know, we've all got to get out of here somehow. Mm -hmm. And every cancer isn't meant to be healed. Um, mm -hmm. There are some people where they, you know, they are using this as their means of exit. Look at COVID this year. There are plenty of people right. who use that to get out. And it's not just all of a sudden because it's a global pandemic and now everybody's talking about it all the time and they're so aware that the rules change. Mm -hmm. The divine is in charge mm -hmm. at all times. Ironclad, 100% across the right. board. It's not like, you know, God's lost the run of himself. You know, like it's, it's just not <laughs> like that. 
So you've got a, a group of people and anybody that you've seen exit just simply took that bus and that bus was coming more frequently this year. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. That makes sense. Does it do, would you say that, you know, everybody's different and everybody has these different experiences in life and everybody's journey is, you know, takes a million different paths, but mm-hmm. when you pass on or when you die, you leave this body. Does would you, do you think that everybody's experience in death is different? Not, not the way they died, but like after they've moved on, is it kind of the same experience all around? Like, you know, you were in this, you were in this space, 360 degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't do the tunnel. Like it, does everybody kind of share the same experience in that? Like after that, like after, after, that, after, after, after they leave the body, like once the, once they're dead, is that generally yeah, the going same through experience? That process, yeah. I mean, it, uh, but the only people that we have to ask that of are uh-huh. people who came back. Right. Yeah. You yeah. Know, except, you know, like I can talk to people who've been dead for ages. So, you oh, know, I know, that's so um, awesome. I, I know what happens uh, there, but let's say um, there's a guy that I speak with quite often. His name is Peter Bedard, brilliant guy. And he um, developed a technique called convergence healing. He wrote a book about it called convergence healing. And, we're fun when we speak together because his experience, although the death itself was quite similar, mm-hmm. he did not want to come back and he was pissed. I was going to say. And when he came back, he went into a horrible, dark, dark place. And I've met a lot of people who've experienced that where that, you know, me, I was just like, ah, I'm here, guys. Look, I'm, I made it. Um, and he was, he worked it had to work through a very deep depression and that's the convergence healing um, that he created that process for people to get through that was based on what happened to him in his death experience. So I think, you know, really all that we have to go by is the people who've come back to report that. And depending mm-hmm. on what it was that they needed to do, because it was that darkness, that depression, that pain that he was in mm-hmm. that turned him into the teacher he is today. Mm-hmm. So it was necessary for him to have that experience. I happened, you know, there's, there's so many different ways to deliver this message. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, once a cheerleader, always a cheerleader. <laughs> so for me, it was kind of, I came back in, you know, with a, a real passion and enthusiasm for the idea of, listen, guys, go and do it all. Take all the risks, do everything you can while you're here. And don't, don't, don't be afraid to feel don't be afraid to get your feelings hurt. Don't be afraid to be ashamed. Don't be afraid to be hurt. You know, these are all parts of the experience. And so mm. we spend so much time trying to avoid pain that, you know, right. we're missing what's right in front of us. And pain is part of that dichotomy. It's part of that duality, mm-hmm. tragic loss. It's all part of it. But the good news is, is at the end of that, um, I think it's important to say right now, because you mentioned it, you know, about going through the process. Is it the same for everybody? What anyone who's listening right now, if you've ever lost somebody, whether it's, you know, to long-term illness or short-term illness or um, a a sudden tragic death, um, what you need to know is that in that moment, and I don't care if it was somebody who was shot, um, they had a stroke, what, I don't care what the circumstances are, if they committed suicide, they all have that same experience where everything stops and they are in 100% control of how they experience the death. Hmm. There are no accidental deaths. Right. Wow. Hmm. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, 
We're going to take another quick break. I, I've got a question for you that's a little bit that's uh, a little metaphysical, and then want to get into some of your projects and some of your other stuff. So if you want to stand by uh, real quick, uh, we will be back, Mary. Listen and find additional content at mystrangeuncles.com or wherever you get your pods. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us gain visibility. You can call us at 801-252-69-45. You can also find us on Twitter at Strange Uncles. On Instagram and Facebook, Strange Uncles Podcast. Close the gates. So we are back with Mary. Um, in fact, we probably should have not, you know, during commercial. It's, it's great to have you on. Like, it's been fantastic. Um, oh, thank you. It's great to be here. So I am a big – each of us have a kind of a niche, I guess you would say. We're all into the the weirdness of the world, you know, because I, I think people – Love the weirdness. Love the weirdness. And I think people either, number one, they avoid it or they just don't pay attention. They don't really know. They don't care. So it's fine. Um, I personally am a big proponent of just because I've seen them throughout my whole life is just ghosts in general, spirits around mm-hmm. you, things like that. So you talk about your your gift. So aside from the frequency um, therapy and everything else that you deal with, do you – when you talk about people moving on and spirits around you and energy, I would mm-hmm. assume your proponent of energy never goes away. It just changes it's another form. It's a different thing. So when you think about that and you think about the, the people that you can talk around you that aren't – they're not in mm-hmm. their vessel anymore, how do you compensate with those two ideas? Does that make sense? Yeah, totally because it's – you know, one of the the greatest experiences that I had in order to be able to share this with people and when they ask that particular question – um, I was aboard the Queen Mary in Los Angeles. Oh, I love that place. I've been there. Yeah. Love the Queen Mary. And it really bugged me when they would, you know, tell the stories about the little girl who drowned in the swimming pool and people see her all the time. And, right. you know, Winston Churchill in the Churchill suite and the cigar smoke and all this kind of stuff. And I'm going, and they're acting almost as if they were trapped there forever to haunt the right. Queen Mary. And I'm like, nah, guys, that's, that's just not how it works, but I didn't really have a great vocabulary to talk about that. And I had this amazing visit. One of the times I was on board with the essence or that presence of Churchill himself, which Mm, is, it was crazy. You know, I was just out of the shower. I'm like, do you mind? (laughs) And there he was, you know, but the way it was explained to me was so incredible. And so, you know, a spirit that becomes incarnate and has an earthly experience and has that memory of that earthly experience. You know, they like us, you know, I have, I've, I'm from Virginia and I love when I go home, I go to Bush gardens. I love amusement parks and it's a place that I like to frequent, you know? And so the way that he explained it was that they felt the same way once out of body, they had certain places that really were powerful for them that they wanted to see thrive and move on and that they could affect the place differently from spirit than they could when they were in a body. And so you have what's like a footprint, a holographic imprint of the essence of someone who has been there, but they're not stuck there. Yeah. So like when we talk about a house that's haunted, you know, like I'm sitting here in my, in my cottage here in Ireland, it was built in 1912 in the British land act and only one family lived here. Mm, And there was one son, Mr. George Burke. 
And George Burke, when we moved into this cottage, his presence was all around us. You know, I was a single mom, two little girls. And you want to talk about some therapy later on, like the man in our lives was the dead guy, Mr. Burke, Um, (laughs) you know, but it wasn't that he was trapped here. It was that that essence of him wanted to be here. That's and a so fantastic when definition. People who see ghosts or who, you know, places that are really, really haunted, there's just, it's like the answering machine is on. It doesn't mean that you're actually speaking to the individual. It means that you're speaking to a, an imprint of the person who was. Yeah. Like you said, it's just a thumbprint is all it is. Something mm-hmm. that was there. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to explain it. I, I always try to, you know, people ask me that they ask us that, you know, what, you know, how do you explain this and that? That's a very good definition of that because it, it doesn't, I, I find that when people talk about being trapped and you see all these ghost shows and it's like, come on guys, you know, this is a different way to look at it. So that, that's a great view. What's so interesting about us as frequency beings is mm-hmm. what he went on to further explain was, um, there's a really funny story where I went, I flew over from Ireland with my agent from, from Ireland and she's really into angels and she's all, you know, she's just, she's a darling, um, you know, a, a mature woman. And um, on this particular trip, she had come, but my mother had come as well. And she was so excited. She could not wait to get on there and see something. And my agent, however, is in the cabin across from us. And she, <laughs> she was like, I don't want to see anything. I don't want to feel anything. There are angels protecting me. There is nothing coming in here. And she was just like, I don't want that experience. And two weeks on board, she saw nothing. Now the rest of us, um, we had these phenomenal experiences and they were so fun and so real and so part of our experience. And so the way he explained how that happened was because, you know, we enter a room with our energy far before our body gets in there. And mm-hmm. the way that we have that synergistic ex- exchange with other human beings is through our energy. And um, so it's like going in and tripping a switch. My expectation is I want to go into this boiler room and I want to see something, buddy. Like, give me the dead guy who got cut in half in the door, you know, in the, I want to see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And there it is, you know? And so then there are other people who simply just don't want to have that experience, but but maybe they did have that experience because secretly there was that part of them that actually did, but then they were afraid to see it. And then, you know, it's all about the vibe that they're putting out. And so he explained that that vibe would like set a series of events in motion. It's like a little, it's like playing a going and push and play on the VCR and, and the movie plays. And yeah. um, I thought that was such a cool way for things to unfold. It was just, you know, that's, that's how it works. Apparently. That, that's a great definition personally. I, uh, yeah, that's fantastic. I love it. Um, well, we're going to wrap up a little bit because we, number one, looking at the time and, and on your side, again, thanks for being with us. We do have some questions. So looking on some of the stuff Michelle sent, um, you've got some projects in the works and I'm kind of curious about this one called Boom. And mainly because, you know, we're obviously, <laughs> we're in, I guess COVID's a thing, right? It's yeah. all over around us. Um, tell us about that or any other project you might have going on, but there's a couple here that are very interesting. Okay. Boom was born of COVID. Um, it was one of those things that, you know, that I was on the days when I was able to speak and I was, uh, um, able to show up to a zoom meeting. Um, my girls are both in musical theater school in Dublin. And so one of their teachers, um, a guy called Roy Hughes, and he came up with this idea and we started chatting about it. And he was, we started kind of pooling together people that we knew in the musical theater industry on Broadway or whatever. And it turns out we actually kind of knew a bunch of people. And those people knew a bunch of people. And so what, when Broadway shut down, 
they were jobless. And so what we did was we partnered up with um, a group called Broadway Cares, which means that we started bringing in these big stars who were now teaching these classes, these online um, classes with acting, singing, dancing, whatever. And a portion of what they would make would go to Broadway Cares, which meant that they were helping to fund their fellow actors, technicians, and we love the techs, um, behind the scenes, um, they were helping to fund them because they might not be able to make rent or they might not, they're all out of work. And so it's just growing and growing and growing and it's just become this really fun thing. So it's like, I like know everybody on Broadway now and um, to have the opportunity that some guy sitting in Utah can be in his living room and having a one-on-one with the guy who's been playing Hamilton for the last couple of years. And otherwise they would have never had that chance because these people, a wouldn't have had the time. And um, now that we were able to meet it up on a, on a zoom team, you know um, my daughter loves wicked and she's getting ready to take a class with the one who was the dance captain for wicked. And, and, you know, just (laughs) incredible, incredible experiences. So that was, yeah, it was, um, necessity is the mother of invention is it not and so that's a really fun project and and also because of the what my children are into it it keeps us all really kind of tied into that scene and i love musical theater myself so yeah that's one project that i'm that i'm working on and i always have i always have a bunch of them on the burner um so was there something else that you you wanted to No, I mean, I honestly, I just, other than your books, you know, you can, you've got three here. Um, Understanding is a new healing, bringing death to life. And then the promise trilogy, a promise by heaven, which you explain um, the definition of that book, kind of why it was named that, which I I find very touching. Mm -hmm. I I think that's amazing. Um, Do you still see your grandpa Clark or people like that still really still there? All the time. Yeah. Yeah. But I did want to say one, um, I have it here actually, because this is, this just happened. So this is my latest project. This is called Hugh and the Manatee. And um, Hugh and the Manatee is the first in a series that I started for. It's kind of geared towards the 9 to 12 age group, but I'm finding a lot of adults are loving it as well. Um, (laughs) Because I noticed that there was a big gap, gap in children's literature where the children of today aren't really being equally represented. You know, all girls don't wear pink and all boys don't play football. And, right. you know, this idea of gender identity and fluidity. And so I came up with the story, Hugh and the Manatee, um, where this little boy who happens to be captain of a swim team, he's got lots of friends and, um, but he's had these bullies that have been relentless his entire life. And, Um, because he likes to paint his nails and he loves to wear a tiara with the girls at recess and um, they've just been awful to him. And so he gets, um, he goes down to a Springs and a magical manatee comes up and puts him in a bubble and puts the two girls who are his biggest bullies in a bubble and takes them underwater on this great adventure because there are so many beautiful examples in the aquatic sea creature world of, uh, you know, like the ancient sea snail, who's, you know, the original transgender, um, the daddy seahorse who carries the baby, that these roles that we have of this black and white, pink and blue idea of what it means to be a boy or girl are just so outdated and not representative of the kids that are are blessing this planet right now. And I I thought, well, you know what, you're an author, stop, stop moaning about it, go write the books. And so I did. And so (laughs) that book just came out. And that's really exciting for me, because Today, I get a message and the cutest picture of this little boy wearing a tiara, and he had and he's in junior infants, which would be like kindergarten over there. Right. And 
he had been uh, awarded student of the week and he oh. got to choose his prize and he chose the tiara and the kids ate him alive. And his mm -hmm. mom sent me a message and thanked me for Hugh and the Manatee. And I just went, you know what? If I wrote it for that one kid, it's my work it. here is done. Yeah. And so that's a project that I'm very proud of. So it's the first in a series that I'm working on because I think it's time to make children's children's lit legit. <laughs> yeah. Is there a place that's better for people to pick up your books for you or should, or can they just get them anywhere? They're, everything's on maryhelenhensley.com and all the frequencies that I work with as well are under a download called Laramar Dreams. Um, it has a listener's guide. Um, you know, usually I send people, I direct them to that after I've gone through a session with them, but there are plenty of people who, you know, they can read the directions and see what each one stands for and start using those frequencies from today, you know, wow. and that's all on my website and everything I have is, you know, up on, uh, Amazon or wherever, Yeah, wherever so books are available. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Do you stay in Ireland or do you do travel? I mean, I take it that's kind of where your home is, is Ireland, which is neat. Yeah, so I'm, I'm, during the school year, I'm in Ireland because my girls are in school here. And um, during the kind of later spring, all through summer, I live in L.A. Oh, okay. And uh -huh, so I, I work kind of between the two. And then, of course, this year was bizarre because um, – I went over with the intention of getting COVID. I called my friend up and I said, look, I'm coming over. There's this thing. I want to see how it works. I don't want to be afraid of it. I, I, want, I don't want other people okay. to be afraid of it. And so I want to come over and she's like, that's fine. I'll help you. And she does bioresonance and we were able to deconstruct this thing and see what it was made of. And she goes, I'm not going to get it. Um, and I was like, that's cool. I mean, I'm the one who always gets the weird stuff. You know, I've had cancer <laughs> and brain tumors and all sorts. Oh, you named, I've had it. And that's how I've always used this body. And so we literally broke that bad boy down and figured out exactly what was going on. The alkalinity acidity factor to it, everything that was, um, you know, why human beings love the drama so much. They love the idea, you know, everybody would breathe a sigh if they heard this person died, but they had underlying conditions. Well, newsflash, the human experience is an underlying condition. And, <laughs> The people who've been beating the drum for mental health, who all of a sudden were like, yeah, Nurse Jones got it. She was 28 and she had no underlying conditions. And I'm like, how do you know she hadn't just been through a horrific divorce or she just lost a child or right, she's crippled right. by student debt, you know, yeah. and mm -hmm. you know, that you would go and say that just because she doesn't physically have something that means her, that she's less prone. And so it was a really, really neat time for me to be able to go in and create this different understanding for people about what it was all about. And so mm. I got to stay a lot longer than usual. I'd literally just gone over to record this audible book and that's another project. Um, it's up in a couple, it should be up in a few days on oh, audible cool. on okay. Amazon and it's called understanding is the new healing. Super proud of this one because it's the first book in audible history to ever have the frequencies and brainwave states behind each of the stories. So what I'm, oh, what wow. I've done here is understanding is the new healing is this kind of a, a sampling of some of my favorite healing sessions I've facilitated. And one that I think that would be, you know, the ones that would be most useful to people in so many, I mean, there's everything from alien, you know, encounters to cancer, to past life experiences, to everything. Hmm. Um, but the, the correlating frequencies are playing in the music behind it as well as the brainwave state that can help somebody have not just an audible, but an immersive experience of the book. Right. Um, so this one, I'm, you know, just, I, I 
I'm so excited about this, but that'll be out in a couple of days on Audible. What's the name of that again? I'm sorry. Understanding is the new healing. All right. I will look for it. Fantastic. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it's just so many. You are, you are quite a unique individual, Mary. I will say that it's like been, a fruitcake. You know what? We all need we all need <laughs> a few. Nuts. You know, yep, exactly. <laughs> Mary, Doctor Mary Hensley, thank you so much for coming on. I, you know, we're we're going to promote you where we can. I, I always just we all enjoy conversations where we have. So you you just bring such a light to what's going on and the love for what you actually do, which, you know, sometimes in the Fortinian realm is it's kind of a breath of fresh air because some people are, let's admit it, they're into it for name, you know, or title or, you know, and it doesn't seem like that's the case with you. With you, it's been a lifelong love and, and uh, yeah, it's been a great conversation, you know, would love to have you on again if you, if you'd like to. I would love that. And I, and you know, Thank you guys for doing what you do because, you know, I can go off and have these experiences and come and talk about it. But if I have nowhere to speak, um, I, I'm so grateful that you would take your time and add your expertise to that and that you would provide a platform for me to be able to do that. That really means the world to me. Thank you. No, yeah, not a problem. Well, well, and don't say expertise on our side. We're, <laughs> you know, far from that. We just love what we love and we go forth. So. Anyway, that's fantastic. Mary, thank you very much. Um, and everybody, again, check out her books, uh, Understanding is a New Healing, Bringing Death to Life, and The Promise Trilogy, and then also the Audible, uh, Understanding is a New Healing. I, yeah, I'm definitely going to make that my new list. Maybe I will tell my wife to put that in my stocking, and we will go from there. Lovely. So, awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Bye. Bye. What a wonderful hesitation. Awesome. Um, God damn, Mary. I, I don't know, guys. I She, very, very entertaining, very jovial, and her whole theories behind everything, I, I they kind of blow me away. I've always been a Frequency fan, personally. I mean, you know, it makes yeah, more sense. Yeah, all, all, all that stuff makes sense to me. I mean, we're all humming in a vibration, and everything has its own frequency and vibe and so that kind of that that type of stuff kind of resonates with me you know what i see what you did there all right i'll i'll leave now okay goodbye <laughs> everyone bye matt see yourself out <laughs> yeah uh was a really entertaining conversation for sure mm-hmm. yeah i it's just amazing everything she's kind of into and and honestly you know like we said during the interview we just kind of touched tip of the iceberg um, thank you, Michelle, if you're listening to line her up because that's her agent. And, uh, yeah, looking for more stuff from Mary. I, I know we had, um, Thomas Witterden's wife on a bit ago. She deals in the same thing, the same method. I, I think it's similar and it's, I don't know. It's oh, it always fascinates me because energy and, you know, energy and frequency and everything, they go hand in hand and how she broke it down. And that's why I want to ask her about the spirit question, you know, cause you, people perceive that differently and i think she did a really really good job with the definition on that i think so yeah um i i i hope she's right when you die because i don't know like i feel like the older i get like for some reason just a little bit more scared to death i get (laughs) like just the fact of like me not being me being around yeah you know like and just a rotting corpse in the ground and like all of a sudden my stupid self won't be here so, uh, you know, if I could somehow keep my conscious of me until I guess I don't want it or whatever, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's be- perseverance. It sounds like, 
I think it's just, yeah. hey, if you got the ambition and the willingness, your spirit mm. and your energy is going to do it. I, I don't know. I'm going to well, basically haunt somebody. I know I will because there's some people I can't stand. I can't I wait mean, to die. The basic laws of physics say you can't destroy energy. Yeah. So, yep. There is yeah. that. So, you know, I mean, it does kind of make sense. You know, not that I'm a scientist or anything, but scientifically that uh, when you die, some part of your consciousness or your, I don't know, for lack of a better word, spirit or whatever goes on because like our bodies are basically just power plants. That's all they are. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Big shell. Yeah. So. yeah, for sure. So yeah, it was great having her on. Um, so there are other guests that we're lining up for the rest of December, January. We also have something that we've been working on that we've been researching on our side. That's going to come out. I screwed up. Actually, I think last episode I said it was going to be this episode, but that's not necessarily the case. Um, and that's a disappearance thing. And then we're working on other topics too. Um, hope you guys enjoyed the Fertian news. That's the first one of, uh, this season that kind of came back and lo and behold, we do that episode. And then all of a sudden, did you see the monolith news pop up right and left boys? Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, I saw a bunch of the monolith news, but that's not even who cares about the man-made monoliths. The real uh, news that's coming out is debrief the uh, Mm -hmm. Tim McMillan and Micah Hanks. And uh, I guess it's Tim McMillan's story, but Micah Hanks and uh, MJ Benias. MJ Benias. Yeah. Yeah. So they just started, I think, they're starting the debrief.com. Yep. And uh, they're not only going to focus on UFOs, but uh, Tim McMillan has two stories that came out that are really, really awesome. I wish they came out before we did a news episode. Um, Cause you know, there's too much to cover at the end of this episode. Um, but if anybody wants to go check those out, I'm trying to find where my pocket is to remember what the, the, um, uh, I think that's the awesome title that is that. it's like transmedium vehicles, something or other. Uh, just go to debrief.com for some reason. I can't find anything on my phone. Yeah. But, I know um, that. Yeah. They... Those stories were really, really mm-hmm. fascinating. I haven't looked at yet. I know that the second day that that uh, website was up, it crashed because there's so uh, there many, people so many, pe- so many yeah. people on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fast movers and transmedium vehicles, the Pentagon's UAP task force. Wow. Um, which doesn't have the same ring to it as a tip, you know, <laughs> no, it doesn't like, No, Uh, and it's the debrief.org. If anybody wants to read those articles, they're really good. Um, really interesting. And yeah. Awesome. Team. And then there, there is a con a controversial photo that's up. Some say it's a balloon. Um, so, you know, mm. it's supposedly a leaked photo of a UFO from a, taken from a fighter pilot. Um, Mylar can travel up to about 30,000 feet, roughly 2730. Um, but yeah, uh, it's interesting. Nonetheless, yeah. it, you know, and it, some people say it's just government dif- disinformation or something. And others are just saying it's a balloon and who knows it classic well, UFO where there's nothing fucking oh, clear. It's all just clear as mud. So, I mean, we are in contact with the Galactic Federation, um, and they're just waiting for us to become ready to. For them oh yeah, to yeah. To society. Ridiculous. It's also another story. We need to do a news episode real quick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe, yeah. Maybe we'll do. Maybe we'll do a bonus one to test out uh, that thing we were talking about. Yeah, let's do oh, an emergency go. news episode for yeah. later. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let me know what works for you guys. 
So we'll go from there. Um, tons of stuff going on. Great. That debrief.org, I'm glad you mentioned it because I was going to mention it too. I think it's been good, great people backing that. So you know, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see what mm-hmm. happens and everything coming out. But uh, you know, if you guys have any news, anything on your side, strange accounts, tales, anything, please, you can call our hotline, 801-252-69. We're ready to believe you. <laughs> We're ready. 6945. And you can write us at .com. Um Let us know. Share. We'll keep you anonymous, too, if that's what you want to be. Um, not a problem with that whatsoever. We just uh, we want to make sure that we share your story if you have one. You know, so we can go from there. Um, we love doing this. Uh, we are on, so we're on a weekly basis. So if you're a new follower, thank you, by the way. We got a couple more Patreon members. Appreciate that one. Um, yes, thank and that's you. an awesome thing. And then we will go forth with everything else. Uh, anybody have any socials to throw out there? Yeah. Uh, you can find us on Patreon at str- patreon.com slash strange uncles. Uh, we are, we have a lot of awesome bonus content up there for you. If you want to check that out and, uh, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at, uh, strange uncles podcast and on Twitter at strange uncles. Perfect. Yep. And write and review. That's important. Make sure put your names out there. Make us look halfway important. We'll go from there. <laughs> so anyway, without all being said, great having Mary. Mary, thank you for coming on. It was fantastic. And uh, good luck rolling on the holidays, gents, because it's the trains are rolling. So Santa Claus is right around the corner. That's what I hear. You better get off the boo, goddamn boo, tracks. Boo. <laughs> yeah, that's how I feel, too. With that being said, close the goddamn gates. 